it is like 65 degrees and it's November in Minnesota. How are you only doing okay? Like, that's ridiculous. You should, well, I'm going to spend the rest of the day outside, you know, running around in shorts and a t-shirt because in like two weeks, snow, bam, you're going to be shoveling your driveway. You're going to be like, oh God, why didn't I use the time I had when I had it? Be thankful, be grateful. Um, I, uh, I actually want to kind of talk about the idea of gratefulness or gratitude. I know it's not Thanksgiving yet, and some of you are like, whoa, hit the brakes, buddy. We don't have to be thankful for like another 20 days or so, so let's just relax here. But I want to talk about that a little bit, and I want to talk about the idea that um, it is, it's kind of dangerous, and, and I think we'll all agree with this, it's kind of dangerous to take for granted or, or to uh, accept as, a, as something you're owed, something that is a gift or a blessing. It's kind of dangerous, and I think we've all been there. Um, I want to read a, a verse of scripture actually to start us off, and we'll get back into this verse here in a second, but it's Psalm 103, verses 1, or, 1 and 2. Psalm 103, 1 and 2, and it's a, it's a great verse. We're going to explore it just a little bit this morning. But it says this, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Now, now David, who wrote this psalm, is talking to himself. He's like, hey, self, you got to praise the Lord. All, all of you, you gotta, this is what you got to do. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his, you know, he's four. Like his, his, his the milkshake is his, his, his body sugar levels, blood sugar levels, just going to go through the roof, whatever. But he gets this milkshake here, milkshake as big as his face and you know, just, do you imagine when you, you know, when you're four, like a milkshake, that's like, that's, that's like getting a job promotion or that's like, you know, the best, the best thing in the world that you can think of when you're four, like those highs are really high. So he has this milkshake, of course, two-handing it because he's just a little guy and he's walking out the door and I don't know, I don't know exact circumstances, but he tripped and he fell with the milkshake, right? And you've been there when you were a kid or when your kids do this sort of thing. And grandma, quick thinking, kind of picked it up. But the milkshake level had dropped about one quarter in the cup. One quarter. He still had 75% of the milkshake, but that 25% that was on the ground. And he was inconsolable. Like, you would think, this is like, you know, lost a family member level sadness. Like, he had evidently, in those few seconds, had become so attached to that milkshake that when he lost one quarter of the milkshake, he was just done for. In fact, to the degree that he wouldn't drink any of the milkshake at all. At all. He had had this wonderful afternoon. He'd lost 25% of a milkshake, and that was it. So, uh, Karina and I came home and, hey, buddy, how's it going? Did you have a good afternoon? And he had been fine until I asked him that question. And then his shoulders slumped and real sad look on his face. And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, wow. Is this, did grandma finally turn on you? Is this like, <laughs> is this it? Have we, did, we hit the, did we hit the threshold for the grandparents' patience? And he's like, no. Um, <clears throat> he, and then he just wouldn't tell us. And then grandma's like, well, the milkshake, the milkshake. You know, and this just really traumatic event. And because, like, this is the thing. As parents, right, you struggle sometimes with this, like, difference between, do you like, well, let's, we'll just get you another milkshake, buddy, it's no worry, or do you, like, teach them a lesson? Like, this is a teachable moment. And some of you are like, he's four. Come on, cut, cut him some slack. But we're not like that as parents, especially Kareem. But <laughs> we're, we're not like that. So we're like, buddy, hey, if you cannot be grateful for 75% of a milkshake, guess what? You get no milkshake. No milkshake. Sorry, we take the milkshake away. Because you have, listen, 20 minutes ago, you had 0% of a milkshake. Then you had 100% of a milkshake. And then you had 75% of the milkshake. And you acting like a dog just died. Buddy, you've got to learn to be grateful for what, 
what you have. Now, we didn't go into all of that. We're just like, listen, Liam, if you're going to whine, we're taking the milkshake, you know. And, and your parenting skills may be different, right? But we don't want to an- grow up with an innate, uh, like an entitled child. Like, this is kind of unattractive when you're four years old. That behavior is super unattractive when you're 24 years old, right? We don't want that, so we're trying to like slowly kind of encourage this out of him in different ways. But it's dangerous to think, and I think we've all probably done this on a variety of levels, it's dangerous to think of a blessing as something that we are owed. It's dangerous to think of a blessing as something that we are owed. And we talked about this two weeks ago. We have a lot of blessings in our lives, and we become so accustomed to them that we feel like we are owed all of them. And when we lose 25% of that blessing, we're like, why, God, why? And God's like, what are you talking about? You still have 75% great in your life. What are you talking about? And, and I know people go through difficult times, and, and we'll get into that. We've talked about it in the last couple of weeks. But for most of us, the bad days, we spilled our milkshake a little bit. The adult version of whatever that is, Right? Our series that we're in is actually based in another psalm. It's Psalm 34, uh, verse 8, and it's this. It's taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And if we didn't read another passage of Scripture, if I wrapped up right now, not only would you be grateful, but you would have learned an important lesson or been reminded of an important truth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. David has experienced God in a way that he believes God is good. Not because of his circumstances, not because of what's happening in his life, not even because of his personality. He has high highs and low lows too. But he has experienced God in his life and he's like, this is good stuff. You need to experience it as well. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So we've been making the case that the problem with our lives when we're not feeling God's goodness isn't on the sending in. God is good. The problem when we're not experiencing God's goodness in our lives is on the receiving end. We're not paying close enough attention. So two weeks ago, I tried to make the case that we have plenty of good in our lives. We have good right in front of us, and we tend to focus on the bad. We talked about complaining. And I'm, I'm so thankful that that was helpful for some of you and that you have not complained for the last two weeks at all once. It's, you guys are a fantastic church. It's funny, because I preached that sermon. I preached that sermon, and then I went outside, and it was so bright and sunny. I was talking to somebody, and I was like, it's almost too bright. I had just preached a sermon about like being able to see the abundant goodness around us. And here I am, "Eh, you know, it's almost too bright. It's almost too nice, God. Can you tone it down a little bit? Let's turn the dimmer on the sun a little bit, God. Like, what is wrong with me? Last week, Jordan reminded us when things are rough, we remember. We remember that God has been faithful. So when we feel like we're in a valley, God has been faithful. He'll come through. It'll be all right. If nothing else, we remember Christ. He sent Christ. So how do we position ourselves? This is the question we're going to explore. How do we position ourselves to experience God's goodness? How do we position ourselves? Because God is good. How do we position ourselves to experience God's goodness? Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. And I'm so excited about this sermon. I'm just, it's one of those sermons where I'm going to be more enthusiastic than you guys are. So there's going to be points in this that you're going to like, Patrick, tone it down a little bit. I'm feeling it this week. I've been working on this this week, thinking about this week. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this idea and excited about how much it can change our lives. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2 again. Praise the Lord, my soul. David talking to himself. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember, 
Don't, don't grab onto that nugget of bad in a field of good. Don't, don't think about the negative in, in, in all the positive. Um, but David knew, David knew something, and this is how we position ourselves for good. David knew something, that pretty much everything in his life, everything in his life was a gift. Everything was a gift. Everything was a benefit. Now, some of you are, you know, you're thinking, okay, David, you maybe had a pretty good life. You got to be king. You know, things worked out well. You got lots of wives. That, that would be okay, I suppose, if you like that sort of thing. But everything in David's life, he recognized as a gift, a gift from God. Forget not all his benefits. Now, I want you to look at a verse later in Psalm 103, just a few verses down. And this is something that David remembered about his relationship with God. This is him talking about God. Verse 14, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and is gone. And in its place, its place is remembered no more. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Now there's a nice, happy, cheery verse for you to think about. You're dust. Your life is that quick. You blink and it's gone. Some people are uh, in the habit of putting like nice, cheery verse reminders on like their phone for their, their, their screensaver. This is to be a good one. Remember, you are dust. The first time I read this verse, I read it in the New American Standard Version. And this is the 10-year-old in me, and I apologize in advance for saying this. But the verse says, you remember, he remembers that you are but dust. And I read that for the first time, and I was like, I don't think that's exactly what he was getting at. Now, some of you are like, the, just, if you're visiting here, like, just turn to the visitor and be like, he doesn't always talk like that. But that's the, the 10-year-old in me. Some of, us, some of us believe, like, wait a second, I work hard for what I have. I work hard for my paycheck. I work hard for my grades. Those things aren't just handed to me. I have worked hard. I have pulled myself up by my bootstraps to get where I am today. Oh, where'd you get the boots? Where'd you get the straps? Where did you get the work ethic that you have that maybe a parent or a grandparent or an aunt and uncle instilled in you? Where did you get that? Where did you get that desire to work? Where did you get that natural ability to do what you do? Where did you get that? Did that come from you? No. You are dust. You don't have any of that. None of that comes from you. You have maybe taken what God has given you and what other people have instilled in you and you have made something good out of it, but none of that comes from you. It is all a gift. Maybe you're thinking, I got an A on my test. I worked hard for that grade. I worked hard. Do you remember the evenings of homework when your parents were sitting down next to you and they're like trying to remember algebra and they're trying to help you and you're crying because you don't get it and your mom and dad are crying because they can't figure out how to explain it to you and everybody's crying and there are these late nights. Uh, maybe that's just our house. H how did you get that A? Was it, was it just you studying? Was it just you figuring this out? Or was it parents and teachers? And was it God who gave the ability to process information like that? Nothing that we have has not been given to us. Nothing that we have has not been given to us. It is all a gift. Therefore, we can praise God for all of it. Now, some of you feel like, well, I had more and, and things were better and now things aren't so good. It's still all a gift. You still got 75% of the milkshake. It's still all a gift for you. It's all a gift. Everything that we have is a gift. Paul said the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For what makes you different than anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why are you boasting as though you did not? Nothing. Everything, everything you have is a gift from God. Everything. 
Now, some of you are like, mm, there's some bad stuff in my life. There's some bad stuff in people's lives. Are you talking about that being a gift? Just hang on a second. I, uh, I've been thinking about this, this concept so much uh, that I've been asking my family. Uh, this week, I actually uh, walked home or walked into the house, and I was like, okay, I'm going to spring this on my, my family, and I'm going to be like, hey, family, what are you guys grateful for right now? And they're like, we're grateful not to be asked weird questions randomly, you know? But I said, uh, so I started with my kids. I picked them up from school, and, and I started, well, I, I asked all pe- four people in my family. I'm going to show you the, the answers that they told me, but this is what they said between my, uh, my 13-year-old daughter, my 9-year-old daughter, my 4-year-old son, and my wife, who is of indeterminate age. Um, the, the first thing, the first answer, and you can figure out, you can like try to figure out who, who said what. The first answer I got was uh, being alive. I'm thankful for being alive. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes you have to go really broad, right? If you're struggling a little bit, you have to go, well, at least I'm alive, right? You know? Okay, yeah. I guess I'm alive, you know. This is the four-year-old, right? You're like, wait, this kid's got problems. But that's true. You know, life is a gift. Life is a gift. That's true. The next person I asked said, well, uh, I have to go to the bathroom really badly, so indoor plumbing. All right. And, and then they added this little commentary. It's better than a hole in the ground. That is, that is true. I'm thankful for indoor plumbing. Yeah, it's a gift. Indoor plumbing's a gift. Right? Yeah. You amen that. <laughs> the next person said, my comfy bed. Now, this person had either just taken a nap or just gotten up for a nap or was, was wanting to take a nap or was dreaming about napping. But they were thankful for their, their comfy bed. Right? That's a, that's a gift. Right? We could be sleeping on a hard floor. It's a gift, my comfy bed. This last one's my favorite. This person said, I'm thankful for you. You That was Korean. That was not Korean. I'm thankful for you. Now, usually when you get a compliment like that, you're not supposed to like really like pursue it. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, Can you be more specific in your compliment of me? What specifically are you thankful for about me? And this person, who shall remain unnamed, said, because you're the best. Aww. That made my day. That was a gift, right? That relationship is a gift. All those, all those things, when you ask people just spontaneously like that, what, what are you thankful for? Those are all gifts. God has given us all those things. However, being grateful is not our default position by any stretch. The opposite of thinking that everything we have is a gift is thinking that we deserve it. We call it entitlement. And we hate it when we see it in other people. We despise it when we see it in other people. Can't stand it. So entitled. From the very first words when we have kids, the thing we're teaching them to say is please and thank you, right? Those are like the first things we teach them to say. They learn no and mine all by themselves, but the things we teach them to say are please and thank you. When we were trick-or-treating last week, I was taking my little guy up and down the street and I would be on the street and he'd run up to the door, knock on the door and get some candy and run back. And because I'm concerned about him saying thank you, I would ask the person, hey, did he say thank you? And if he didn't, he would march his little Ninja Turtle shell right back up there and say thank you for the gift that he had been given. It's a gift. You're being given a gift, buddy. We got to teach you to be grateful, especially after the milkshake incident. We don't want entitled kids. We don't want that. And so we work very hard not to have entitlement in our kids, not to develop that. When we tell, this is what you're doing. How, I asked the kids in class this morning, I said, how many of your parents have told you, well, when I was your age, right? What are we saying? We're saying, you have blessings that I do not want you to take for granted. That's what we're telling them. 
You should be grateful for running water. They hadn't even invented water when I was your age yet. You know? When we complained about being cold, Dad just made us go outside and sleep in the snow. I mean, that's thankful for heat. You guys have it so great. That's what we're telling them. We're telling our kids, don't be entitled. But it's just not kids, and this is the problem. Parents. Parents can be entitled on behalf of their kids. We have a few teachers in the room, and I have, no teacher has, in this room has said this to me. But I've heard teachers say things like, they'll get calls from parents that say, Hey, my, my little special child, that, whom I love very deeply did not get an A on, on your test. Something's wrong with your test. Because it's not my little child. He's smart. He's a genius. I can't believe we haven't moved him up to the next grade yet. It's not our parenting. We're fantastic parents. The problem must be you. What is that? That's entitlement that they're bestowing on the next generation. Some parents, if their kids spilled the milkshake outside of McDonald's, would have walked right back in there and said, you need to give my kid another milkshake. Your sidewalk is crooked. It's a four-year-old holding a giant milkshake. What are we doing? We're, we're in passing off entitlement to the next generation. But parents don't do it just for their kids. Parents do it for themselves. Entitlement kills our ability to experience God's goodness because it's unable to see God's goodness as a gift. Entitlement kills our experience of God's goodness because it's unable to see God's goodness as a gift. Can I, get, can I get kind of serious for a second? Adults, kids, this is important too. But can I talk to you for a second? Because, you know, it's easy to see entitlement in a little kid. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need, I need. But I think we have a harder time seeing it in ourselves. We hate it when we see it in other people, but I think we have a hard time seeing it in ourselves. So I wrote down, like, what are the ways that I'm entitled? And I want to share those with you because i got a sneaking suspicion. It's just, it's not just me. Here's what entitlement like, lo- might look like in adults. Gratitude is content. Because it's all a gift. Entitlement always wants more. Always wants bigger. Always wants better. Gratitude is rooted in humility as the recipient of an undeserved blessing. Entitlement is rooted in pride and demands what it is an owed. Entitlement has to be stingy and defend what belongs to them. Gratitude is generous because they know that what they have is a gift and they can just pass it right along to someone else. Hey, it was given to me. Here you go. Gratitude is focused on what and who is right in front of them. Entitled is always worried that they're missing out on something or someone else. Gratitude can celebrate the blessings in others' lives. Entitlement is jealous and insecure, wondering why don't I have that? And life's not fair. That's not fair. Gratitude looks for opportunities to serve. Entitlement looks for opportunities to be served. Gratitude looks for ways to be involved with and support the life of the church because this is the body of Christ. Entitlement looks for excuses to disconnect or criticize and say things like, that's not just doing it for me. I didn't like that. Gratitude loves to give others attention through sincere compliments. Entitlement loves to generate attention for themselves through complaining. Facebook. Entitled people will always struggle with their temper because life is not going the way that they want it to go. They will always struggle with their temper. Think about the last time you got mad. It's because something didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. Someone didn't do what you wanted them to do. Entitlement will always quickly default towards rudeness because that person didn't give me what I want. They didn't do what I want. Entitlement will always quickly default toward rudeness. Entitlement is always looking for someone else to blame for their problems. And before you say, thank God I am not like those other entitled people, am I discontent? Am I I angry? 
Am I rude? Am I stingy? Am I jealous? Am I harshly critical? Check, check, check. It's an unpleasant checklist there. Maybe I have a sense of entitlement about my life. Entitlement kills our ability to experience God's goodness. And sometimes, some of you understand this, that sometimes it's difficult to recognize something as a gift until something threatens to take it away. Sometimes it's difficult to recognize something as a gift until something threatens to take it away. For example, those of you that have experienced loss or have been threatened with the loss of someone, you experience the shift immediately. All of a sudden you're like, wow, I've been taking many days with this person for granted. And all of a sudden I realize the very re- the reality that I may not have many days with this person. I've been taking family dinners for granted and all of a sudden, man, I need to make family dinner a priority because I want to be there. I want to have these interactions. Until you're threatened with that loss, sometimes we don't recognize how good something is and how much we've been taking it for granted. Sometimes we don't recognize health or financial stability or a drivable car until we don't have those things, until you get in the car one day and you just, it didn't turn on, what happened? All of a sudden you realize, man, you've been given a gift. And because it's been taken away a little bit, you're like, what's going on? My life is no good anymore. 75% of the milkshake. Now, some of you are going to object and you're going to say, well, listen, I'm just not feeling like I have a ton to be grateful for in my life right now. I've been sick. It's been hard. I have had loss. Job's not going well. Some of you are like thinking real broadly, like what about famine and taxes and death and all that? What? Come on, that's all bad stuff. Are all those gifts that I'm supposed to be grateful for, Patrick? Really? Come on now. Well, let me just say this. This is part three of a series, and we have dealt with those questions in part one and two, so if you want a really good answer, go back and listen to those sermons online. But let me say this. Let me say this. And this is so important. This is the part that really gets me excited. If God never gave us anything else, he has already given us infinitely more than what we deserve. If God never gave us anything else, he's already given us infinitely more than what we deserve. I want you to see later in Psalm 103, verse 3. Psalm 103, verse 3. He said, forget not all his benefits. And then the very next verse, he starts listing those benefits. And he doesn't write these as questions, but imagine he's talking to himself and he's thinking through this list as if it were questions. Who forgives all your sins? God Gives all my sins. Yeah, I see where you're going, Patrick. I know. Okay, I should be grateful because my sins are forgiven. Oh, okay, I, I get that. But, but David's not done. Who forgives all your sins? God, right? Who, who heals all your diseases? God. Who redeems your life from the pit? God. And who crowns you with love and compassion? God. Who satisfies your desires with good things? God, so that your youth is restored like an eagle's. Man, that's a pretty good one too. I'd I'd like that. Who does that? Who does? This is verse 10. Who does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities? Who does that? God. For as high as the heavens above, so great is his love for those who fear him. This is God that he's talking about. And you can imagine David's just really getting rolling. In verse 11, for as high as the heavens above, so great is his love for those who fear him. As for the east is from the west, so far, as it, so far our transgressions have been, have been removed from us. Now that should be, if I had stumbled through saying that, that should be good news. And if nothing ever else happened in our lives that was good, that should be enough. That should be enough. Next time you're thinking about, man, I only got 75% of the milkshake. Think about what you have been given by God that is infinitely more good than anything else in your life. Salvation through Christ. That's it. If God never did anything else, we have that. 
That's unbelievable. Now, we get excited about trips to Disney World, and we get excited about promotions, and we get excited about Game 7 of the World Series, teams we don't even care about until Game 7 of the World Series. We can get excited about everlasting love and grace, folks. We can get excited about that. You spilled your milkshake? Oh, well, God forgave you your sins. Your day's not going 100%, huh? Somebody was rude to you. Well, hey, guess what? God forgave you your sins. Oh, you know, my marriage isn't, isn't as, 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 as what I imagined. I mean, he seemed like Prince Charming, and now he's not so much Prince Charming. Well, guess what? God forgave you your sins. Does that mean we don't try to make things better? We don't try to address problems? We don't try to work on our marriage? Absolutely not. But we've got to understand we have been given a gift by God. This life is a gift. Our day is a gift. The fact that you are alive at this moment and in this room is a gift. The fact that you're able to sing praises to God today, the fact that you're able to see one another in this, that's a gift. And when we start taking those gifts for granted, we look like a kid who spilled his milkshake. Well, we got 75% of my milkshake. I don't want any of the milkshake. It's you, God. I don't want any of it. Here's the thing. We are, as Christians, we are grateful. Because even in the absence of good things, nothing can touch the best things. That's good news. That's really good news. Let me ask you a question. What if you viewed your interactions with your kids or your spouse as a gift. Would that change how you interact? The answer is yes. It's not rhetorical. What if you viewed your job as a gift? But you don't know my job. What if you viewed it as a gift? Maybe the cup's only 75% full. But what if you viewed that as a gift? Do you think that would change how you interact with your coworkers and your, and your job, your boss? Yeah, absolutely. What if you interacted with this church family? This is a gift. Do you guys know this? This is... This is this is me because I work here. But do you know that you attend a great church? Did you know that? Well, Patrick, you have to say that. You're preaching up there. You can't get up there and be like, yeah, this church is okay, but we should all go down the road. No. Do you know you attend a great church? You attend a great church. Did you know that? That's a, that's a good thing. Now you're like, well, wait a second. I don't know. The, the slides weren't working today very well. And then Alex, he sang a song. I didn't know. Poor Alex was by himself going with him and the praise team. We were like, I, he picked a song. I didn't know. <laughs> Okay, so your milkshake is only 75% full. It's a gift. You attend a fantastic church. There's some fantastic people in this room. There's some spiritual, godly people that God has surrounded you with. Man, we should be grateful for that, shouldn't we? You're like, Patrick, you're an optimist. You can say all this stuff. I'm a realist. I am an optimist. I'll own that. I love stuff. I love things. Like, like the other day, can I tell on my wife just a second... <laughs> My, uh, there was somebody who came to the door uh, wanting to get out the boat, you know, let's talk about politics. And we have a big window and the person walked up to the, the house. There were some other ladies over talking uh, with her. And, and you could see them in the living room. And they even waved at the lady as she was coming up the uh, steps and knocked on the door. And then Kareem's like, don't answer the door. <laughs> politics. Do you want to discuss politics with a random stranger? Some of you are like, of course not. Me? Yeah, I do. Come on in. I don't know you, but let's talk politics. I get that. I get that I'm an optimist. But here, I'm telling you, you have been given every good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. You have that. Sometimes your milkshake isn't as full as you want it to be, but you have good gifts from God. You have a good church family. You have, you have your health. I sound like I'm 80, right? You have the things that you've been given. I know sometimes things aren't good, but you have so many good things. Can we just 
stop with the complaining? Can we stop with the moaning? Can we stop with the whining? Can we stop with the pessimism? And can we praise God for every good and perfect thing that he has given us? Can we do that? Can we do that? All right, let's do it. (laughs) I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to turn it over to one of our elders who's going to close us out in a word of prayer. We get lots of good prayer requests and we want to pray for everything. But you know what? I think our, our prayer life may tell us a little bit about what we're really thinking about. There's, there's lots of prayers that are negative, and that's fine. We want to take everything to God. But this is why God reminds us over and over and over again to give thanks for everything, because there's more to give thanks for than there is to complain about. So maybe your prayer life should start having a higher percentage of praise and thank you. Maybe your singing should be a little bit more enthusiastic than it was today because you have been given so many good and perfect gifts. And maybe if nothing else, you can just stop and you can remember, you know what? Jesus Christ was a, he was real. He was from God and he came to this earth. He died this death that that was horrific and awful for my sins and he rose again so that when he comes back, I will be prepared to live with him for eternity. That is a good thing. We today, Christians, should be having a good day if for no other reason than we have God on our side. Let's, uh, I'm going to invite, I think Paul maybe is coming up to do a prayer. Uh, I'm going to invite him up. But let's, let's praise God for the good in our lives.